2: Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. It's Matt Messiano here and Tom Burrell. We're here. I'm doing well. How are you, Tom?
1: Yes, all good. Just doing my damnedest to stay warm, essentially, at the
2: moment, whilst the weather's so bloody cold. Cold as we all like. Was I think it was minus? Was it minus six this morning or something?
1: yeah something ridiculous like that i thought it was only meant to be last week but it's managed to creep into this week hasn't it so that's incredibly unwelcome
2: Watford then they've signed a new player uh his name i'm going to butcher so why don't you give it a go tom
1: haha well i'm only uh i'm only going off of what uh i've heard elsewhere but this was from a portuguese football expert his name i forget on the from the rookie podcast but Enrique Arauch, I think, was what he went with. Um, Enrique so, Arrauj,
2: yeah, very exactly. nice. Exactly,
1: so I'm nice. I'm quite happy to go with that. I mean, as you said, but is it still gossip or not? Well, Bilic I mean, it's been reported by the Athletic it. that
2: it's um, it's a done deal. Apparently, yeah. it stands uh, for the Rotherham fixture, and uh, I mean, to me, that says it's happened, is not it? That's how it's happened.
1: I think so, yes. By the looks of that... Well, not by the looks of Having read the Adam Leventhal piece, he'll be available for Middlesbrough this weekend, which is good. Um, Can't pretend that I've seen him before the point that we've become interested in him, but certainly looks like a heck of a prospect um, from everything you read. And I've watched a reasonable amount of footage since we were first linked with him. I think the thing that stands out for me is that he's different to all the other strikers that we've got, um, but perhaps takes the best of some of them. So I think first and foremost, he's quite good physically, in my opinion, Um, only in kind of inverted commas, six foot, but good in the air, scores headers, can use his body well. I think the relevance of that is we obviously know that the championship is a, a physical division and we've seen plenty of players come over before and, and struggled to get to grips with that. But I, I don't see that being a problem for him. And I think he can do the side of the game that maybe Vakun Bayo has struggled with um, in the time that we've seen him, i.e. holding the ball up and bringing others into play. I think his link-up play is quite strong. You know, he's comfortable on the ball, playing with his back to goal, which again is not something that Bio is good at. But we know obviously Keenan Davis is fantastic at. And I think... We miss greatly when he's not there because although he mightn't be a prolific goal scorer for us, I think it was he on three or four for the season, he is someone who acts as that focal point for the other kind of attacking players, the likes of Ishmael Assar, Jao Pedro, Ken Semmer when he's fit, you know, Mateus Martins and Ishmael Kone, I'm sure are gonna benefit off of or from playing off of Keenan Davis. And I think from what I've seen, certainly Araújo can do that equally. He does something that Keenan Davis doesn't do, which I think is more the thing that we've been missing perhaps more than anything is that he will run beyond, you know, he's quite happy breaking the lines, sitting on the shoulder of the last defender and running into space, receiving the ball and finishing. He's a decent finisher, scores, you know, different types of goals. Um, And I think we've missed that, you know, Vakumbayo, as as Jordan has said and explained quite nicely, is, you know, good in the penalty area. He's an above average poacher, I think he described him as. Um, And I think that's fair, but he's probably not someone that can carry the ball or, or, you know, drive with the ball forward either. And I think, I think, um, I was about to call him Jean-Felix. I'm (laughs) wrong (laughs) player entirely. Uh, I think Aroush can do that. So that's exciting. You know, he's got a really good pedigree. Obviously, there's some good pieces out there about his kind of career to date as well. I think um, the interesting thing for me is he's, you know, had some minutes, opportunities with the first team. And, you know, Benfica, obviously, no slouches. They have produced Jao Felix, uh, Darwin Nunez this summer, plenty of others. They've got Gonzalo Ramos I think I've cited this stat before, but they've produced more kind of players that are in playing in Europe's top five leagues than any other club or some kind of crazy stat like that I read or heard somewhere. He's played for them in the Champions League, scored against Maccabi Haifa, albeit in a kind of, a, not necessarily a dead rubber, but I think it was their final group match. Um, and he scored a few other goals from at first team level, he scored the majority of his goals from the B team level. Um, but that is the second tier in Portugal. And interestingly, he has played there mostly in a kind of 4-1-4-1 4-1 or a 4-2-3-1, which shows you know he's capable of playing up front on his own as well. And those are systems that we've seen um, used one way or another this season, I think, as well. And I think you know certainly from what we've seen in the last couple of games, Bilic probably trying to get all the pieces in place to go with a 4-2-3-1 when he can so that's you know handy as well so yeah i feel really optimistic about him and and, and you know above all else benfica are just incredible at producing talent so he's unlikely to be a, a dud famous last words but um he, yeah he um, seems
2: like a real coupe for the team
1: yeah i think so it's you know the fact that um they wanted you know in adam Leventhal's piece they wanted a million euro didn't they if we didn't play him in a significant number of games they wanted
2: seventy five percent, wasn't it? Yeah, seventy five percent. That's sound it. Quite a lot,
1: yeah. Yeah. That, so they've obviously, you know, this is not this is not someone that's just going to be coming to make up the numbers. And I think, uh, um, you know, the cl- the club of that size to be playing in the first team from time to time and whatnot. He's he's evidently got something. So yeah, it seems like a bit of a coup. And I'm, I, you know, I saw, I heard someone, sorry, kind of credit. Ben Manger and, and Elena Costa with the, these signings, him, Jael Ferrer, etc. And, you know, it's obviously impossible to know exactly, but it's easy to draw that parallel, isn't yeah. it? And say, yeah. well, you know, they know Portuguese football, particularly Elena Costa. Um, and therefore, you know, using those connections, using those links, using that cachet, I suppose, almost of the careers that they've had to this point to say, yeah, we're going to make sure he gets, what you want him to get because it's got to work both ways right it's got to be beneficial for Benfica and I imagine they'll look at it and say well it's a great opportunity for him to go and play in you know men's football uh, regularly and a physically demanding league and and, and in a team where there are big expectations as well that's the other thing it's beating football obviously there's professional pride and and playing for a club the size of Benfica but it's to a point meaningless Um, so it's uh, it's a it's a level of responsibility as well to come and be the person that's going to help spearhead that promotion push, especially if Keenan Davis is out for a, a while. You don't think we've seen any kind of definitive line on when he when we might expect him back either. So, which is a concern. So yeah, he's going to come in and you you'd imagine really be chucked in at the deep end basically.
2: Yeah, that's right. It, um, I mean, they think so highly of this lad. He's got a hundred million you're a release clause, isn't he? So yes. um, Yeah. It's a funny thing.
1: Yeah, they did. I know in Spain, this is the case. You have to have a release clause stated in your contract. So they kind of put it very high. So I imagine that's a similar thing in, in Portugal, but um, yeah, you know, he's, he's he's evidently, uh, he's evidently no slouch. I just realized I said something really stupid in my previous answer. Oh, B team football is meaningless. It's not because, uh, Benfica B play in their second division in uh, Portugal, so it's not completely meaningless. But um, I guess the pressure is off to some extent as well. So uh, just retract that statement.
2: Yeah, we've um, also we, we can we can be a bit more uh, chill in our in our uh, delivery of this news now because we've just seen that it's been pushed through the uh, the Watford website. They've uh, they've announced it. it's official now. So
1: oh, done deal. there you and, go. And,
2: and Enrique Arush is uh, is now on loan from 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 Benfica, so that's brilliant. Yeah, really, really, really good. And there's a, so a few few snaps of him there enjoying one of his training sessions. Although it looks quite sunny, so I don't know I don't know when that was taken. Hmm.
1: Well, it's good that it's done. There's no point uh, waiting around at this stage. We need we need players ASAP, really, don't we? And the um, forward was one of the positions that Bilic identified from. Well, prior to the January Chancellor window, so yeah, glad he's in, and, and hopefully he's had a good week or so by the time we get round to the Borough game, training with the the new team, with his new teammates.
2: Apparently, won the uh, the Young Player of the Season prize for the contribution to the B team. So, um...
1: yeah, that's right. Won the UEFA Youth League as well last season, which is you know a pretty serious competition at a kind of age group level. Was a runner up a couple of years prior to that, so. Yeah, I think I think this is a very very exciting one and equally, you know, if he comes does well and we get promoted, it's presumably not inconceivable that we could get him back and you know test him out at that level as well. So there's um I imagine there's it might not be written into the contract, but there isn't written into the contract, but I'm sure there will be that option to to do something again in the future if it's beneficial for everyone and also if we look after him and and we know that Elena Costa has these links with uh, Benfica and, and Portuguese football, you know, they will trust us with other players again in the future. And as I say, without repeating myself too much, they are uh, pretty renowned for their development of youngsters. So there's something riding on it.
2: Yeah. It's also nice from the EE, he, he, he won't be alone in the sense that he'll have Jao Ferreira, who he probably knows quite well, having come from the same club.
1: So, yeah. Good um, point. That's um, it. a few. Bed in. And then of course, few Portuguese, few Portuguese, speakers, Portuguese speakers in the squ- yeah. squad now. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so exactly, it, it should be all fingers crossed a really good move for, for him and also the Watford faithful, who I'm sure are eager to see what he can do, because um, it's not been that great up front at the minute, has it? Well, this whole season no. really hasn't been consistently that good. It's a bit of no, fleeting moments,
1: but no, definitely not. We've it's been Keenan Davis or or no one really, hasn't it? In all in all truth, a lot of the time, so. Um, and he you know, could really have done with Jail Pedro to fill that gap but he's obviously injured as well so if we can get all these players on the field it's a big if then you would look at that forward line and say there's some real talent there there's no reason why we can't shoot our way up the league or you know into cementing that playoff place because I think it's the lack of goals that has done for us really so far hasn't it I mean one of the factors at least so yeah no pressure he comes with a big reputation
2: yep here yeah, we're the squad number 21 and that is official so welcome to watford arush um somebody else who uh i wanted to talk about but who isn't official in fact i'm not even sure if it if it ever will become official but it, we're, we're close apparently according to lots of sources uh and that is hibernian's ryan porteous who uh is a center back and uh maybe has played his final game for Hibernian because. It's believed that Watford are interested and Watford are talking to Burning about it. What do we know is the latest, Tom?
1: Well, just going off what the BBC have said, we are in the lead. There was interest from Blackburn. There was interest from Moudnaise. Offers were um, were rejected, but, you know, we're not talking very much money. It has to be said.
2: Um, this guy all. has a, um, a contract that's running out fast, hasn't he?
1: That's exactly that's it. So they're hardly in a strong negotiating position here. Hibernian. he's out of contract in six months, and as we stand, we could agree a um, a Bosman deal with him um, for a head, for the summer. You know, we could agree, or yeah. we could agree a pre-agreement for a Bosman deal for the summer, so we could get him for nothing. But we evidently want him now, um, so I think you know we will get we will probably get there and meet kind of in the, or if we get there, it'll be a case of meeting in the middle and and getting, paying a few quid, but nothing too much considering uh, what he could, what they could have commanded for him um, in different circumstances. So yeah, whether it's, whether or not it will actually happen or not, I don't know, but it seems to be there. And you kind of think with William Trister-Kong going, it has, right, something yeah. has to be close. And this is the only real kind of centre-half name that we've seen, doesn't it? Tristicon um, just before we started recording, kind of confirming his own departure. So I imagine the club will sweep that up shortly. Um, but with that situation, and then you've got um Matty Pollock was heading out to Exeter on loan. And uh, now, he now he isn't seemingly yet. Um, and Courtney Howell's situation Which I'm sure we'll touch on You need a centre-half, really Because Cabaselli's injured, isn't he? So you've really only got Cathcart and um, I was about to say Dawson, but Sierra Alta Are the two at the moment So yeah, I think we we kind of badly need a centre-half Before too long Yeah, um, it wasn't
2: a situation before, was it? But it's all of a sudden become one quite quickly Yeah um, So Cabaselli is injured currently And, and uh, out for... What length of time?
1: I don't know. It's not really been said, has it? It was a hamstring as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people will be saying, oh, well, don't hurry back, etc." But, <laughs> you know, he is an experienced defender at this level and, yeah, from a position that Bilic himself said, oh, centre-half, we're, we're covered, we've got loads. It's suddenly, there's question marks against a lot of them. I think, realistically, Courtney House isn't going to play for us again, is he? Whether we terminate his loan Whoa. and suffer the financial... What's,
2: what's the situation that we know, uh, or, or that's at least been reported or speculated?
1: Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of what's been reported, he he wants surgery, and neither Villa nor Watford think that he needs to undergo surgery. He can... Um, can he, see, can, he can seek other yeah to, uh, I think well I think so advice. but it might have some ramifications for him I don't want to say definitively and, and mislead people but I think that is the the, the situation but I, I kind of get it you know from Watford's point of view we don't want him to have surgery now because that will basically end his season anyway Villa don't want him to have surgery in the summer because then that will probably preclude them from selling him in the summer, and they they seemingly want to move on from him as well. And he presumably wants to have surgery and just get the damn thing sorted out for once and for all, so that he can maybe come back this season. But he'll certainly be fresh to go for next season, and and you know probably get his move away from Villa as well. So I I do feel for him. It's a tricky situation. I also think. I think there's been a general lack of sympathy for Courtney Howes, Um, probably not helped by his Instagram posts, which were misguided, shall we say, Mm -hmm. but he is stuck in a catch 22 here. And, you know, it's a short career. Yes. He's very well paid. I'm sure, but he's, it's not like we're talking mega money either here. you know, I've got no idea what he's earning, but, He's a sixth or seventh choice centre half at a mid-table Premier League club. You know, we're not we're not talking hundred grand a week here or, or crazy money like that. Good money compared to what myself and most Watford fans make. I'm definitely not um, earning what he is, but it is a short career and. I don't think players. I think we're past the era where players are kind of bullied into just getting on with it and you know manning up, so to speak, and taking injections and so on to just get get out on the field. You know, I think they've taken a lot more ownership of their careers in recent years, and rightly so because you know these are their bodies at the end of the day. And I think if it wasn't for the 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 money that they're paid, there would be more sympathy. So I, I do have some sympathy with him there it's just a shame that obviously it's going to come at our expense and we're probably not going to see him as I say, because I think he is a good center half at this level. He was exactly what we needed left footed center half um, experienced at this level and so on. Yeah. It's just been, it's basically turned into a bit of a, a bit of a disaster really, hasn't it? So yes, we, we need a center half badly. Um, And it looks like Ryan Porteous. I'm I'm not sure if that's how he says name apologies is, is going to be the man. And, and, for his part, he looks like, again, having not watched him properly, but until until now, you know, watched some of his kind of clips on Wisecout, he looks like a proper kind of old-school centre-half. You know, he will hit, hit it, kick it, tackle it. He's, you know, he's not going to lack the kind of strength, aggression, um, any of those kind of things. Is he terrific on the ball? No, not necessarily. But, you know, if you can just not be a bomb scare in possession like some of our centre-halves have been. Um, That's probably enough to just pass it out to the fullbacks or into midfield and just keep it simple and keep it moving. Um, I think, you know, the physicality you mentioned obviously with uh, Enrique Arauj, I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. He is a physical player, uh, six foot two, spent his whole career playing in Scotland. So, you know, I don't have any kind of issues in that regard. I think the one kind of thing that might be, it comes with experience, I guess, is his kind of composure and uh, awareness and those sort of things. I think, you know, has little lapses from time to time, but, you know, find me a centre-half that Watford would reasonably hope to sign that doesn't. Um, there probably aren't many out there, but it's one of those things that comes with experience as well. So, seems like a good acquisition and a good way to fill the the true stick shaped hole in our um our defensive line at the moment
2: yeah he's right footed um yeah so not going to be helping us out in the left-sided section there but um i suppose that was one wish that we couldn't that we couldn't get but he does look good doesn't he and he and he's young he's hungry and um he's fit which is important
1: <laughs> yes well exactly let's hope his injury record's decent Let's. Um, what we could do with someone coming in and, and just being able to play there because we've had a lot of kind of chopping and changing at centre half which I do think has been part of the problem over the years that um, we've never seen them been able to count on two of them to be fit and in form at any one time and forge a proper partnership but um, yeah he's, he's one for the future and I think we've not we've not signed a young centre half for a long time have we so I'm, I'm encouraged by that if nothing else
2: yeah, so that one has not been confirmed yet, but we believe Watford are in the hunt for him. Um, but like you said, there, Tom, uh, it has been confirmed. Actually, well, it hasn't con- been. It hasn't been confirmed. But um, William Kong himself has confirmed that he is going to be leaving. Um, Salernitana is where he is believed to be heading off to. Um, it, uh, it's it's going to be a issue isn't it? But they've got an obligation to buy at the end of the at mm. uh, the end of the season, so it's more or less a it's more or less a a transfer isn't it but uh yeah it's it's a disappointing one really for me because it felt as though he was exactly the right kind of player that Watford needed this is this is before we came but um I'll I'll, I'll explain why He, he um he had links to Watford uh for his family uh he grew up not far away from here um he likes Hertfordshire and um, he was an international centre-back. So, well, I mean, he's well, he still is an international centre-back, but he came with pedigree. Um, unfortunately for him, he didn't really live up to the, to the hype, which is a shame because I think we we're all hoping that he would do.
1: I don't think he's been as bad as people like to make out. I think we all knew going into the Premier League that his passing was not his strength. That got shown up in the Premier League. Is that his fault? You know, we didn't sign any centre-halves after winning promotion, did we? Until we picked up Nkulu on a free transfer. Mm-hmm. Um it's You know, no. he, Yeah, he shouldn't be playing in the Premier League regularly. Um, That's a fact. He obviously had that meltdown at Brentford and then the cock-up at Leicester. I think those were sort of a month apart, give or take. And that really kind of finished him certainly as far as um, Watford Twitter was concerned and I think that's a bit harsh because he was a very good player for us in the Championship at a time when we we needed a bit of a refresher at at centre-back he did well and I don't think he's let anyone down this season either to be quite honest he hasn't been
2: favoured this season though Tom well he's played more games than you
1: might realise I mean no he's not been the first choice but he's still made 12 starts this season and you know it's a reasonable number. What are we on? Twenty-eight yeah, just games, about I think. Half,
2: isn't it,
1: or yeah, just is. under half, you know, so it's not like he's a complete spare part that we're letting go either. Um but no I don't I don't think he's done appallingly by any stretch of the imagination. But it probably was time. I think he was kind of damaged goods to some extent with Watford supporters. Um and you know he's obviously lived in Italy before opportunity to go and play in top flight in Italy again. Why wouldn't you? If you're not going to be first choice here and at kind of 29, you know, probably going to get a decent contract there. Don't know what his contract status here is, but you would imagine he will do better out of moving and and getting a new deal at that stage. So yeah, can't can't begrudge him. I, I think it has played a significant part in our recent history. Obviously the, the now famous team meeting that he called after Coventry, the Luton game. And yeah, it's, it's nice to have had someone that actually evidently cared and supported the club. Um, you don't get those players very often these days. So I'd, I wish him nothing but the best and, and thank him for his efforts over the last few years. And also, I can't remember if you said this, but you certainly mentioned Nigeria. You know, Nigeria captain, He's he is a leader, I think, whether people like it or or not, he is um, someone who has kind of led the way and and been a vocal figure in the club and in the dressing room, a good ambassador for the club Um, and I think really and truly he's been a little bit harshly treated by some of our fan base, certainly on social media so I I wish him well
2: Yes, he does go with our our fond wishes and um, he certainly had a good few moments uh, in a yellow shirt Um, Right, okay let's move on to the rotherham fixture then it finished 1-1 in the end um probably won't be remembered uh for for many years to come it wasn't particularly interesting a game but uh, a few things took place uh two changes which were the probably the the biggest highlights jao ferreira and matthias martins came in for jeremy and gacchia and also uh william truce kong how did they do tom
1: Yes, Joe Ferreira obviously got the goal, was good, positive throughout. I think um, he looks very comfortable very quickly. I don't think Mateus Martins was as dangerous as he had been the previous weekend against Blackpool, but, you know, new league, new country, yada, yada, yada. He's kind of going to take a little bit of time, to, but they both will take a little bit of time to Bed in that's perfectly understandable, um, but I, I still don't think there's anything there to suggest that he isn't going to be a good player for us mm-hmm. in the long run or for as long as we've got him, seeing as he's only on loan for the the rest of the season. But yeah, no, it, uh, Ferreira was obviously the one, and, and Jordan talked last week about kind of attacking a certain space, and he did that for the goal to, to great effect, didn't he? Kind of coming driving inside, yeah. allowing. Was probably Martin's to go outside of him and, and create that other option, that overlap um, by coming by underlapping him, and yeah, it was a it was a good performance. He's, I think we know what we're going to get with him. Offensively, very dangerous. Defensively, dangerous in his own sense from time to time. But he, you know, certainly didn't have a defensive disaster either. So. Yeah, he's um, he's he's done well so far. So far, so good, and he probably immediately jumps into the uh, the number one spot for right back.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think he does. He, he he certainly looked good progressing the ball, didn't he? Which is clearly his strength from that position.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's that's his game, I think, isn't it? He's um, you know much more comfortable with the ball at feet at his feet than kind of going back with the ball behind him. So. Um I, I think the the onus is on us to protect him a little bit in that respect, uh so that he's not exposed too badly.
2: Those two coming in meant a switch to a back four. Um do you think that's the the long term goal for, for Bilic, Do you think he prefers that that four at the back?
1: I think so. I think that's what he's played throughout. I think I said this on last week's pod, but that is what he's played kind of through a lot of his recent career at this level, you know, having a an array of kind of attacking players behind that focal point front man, you know, that West Ham team had the likes of Pié and Lanzini um, other players who I'm forgetting West Brom had Brady D and Garner, you know, these are good attacking players for those teams. I think um, we've got the tools to do that here. So I, I, I see no reason why he wouldn't, it certainly feels like the squad is more set up for him than it ever was for Rob Edwards trying to come in with, wing back you know play a wing back system when we didn't really have a single wing back at the football club so yeah i'm i feel like we're gradually bit by bit and obviously it's not been helped by the injuries seeing him move towards what he wants um don't get me wrong i'm not getting carried away but yeah gradually
2: it's a very interesting point you make there tom actually it does feel as though slavin is being backed by the the board or you know mr Potzer, if you want to say it outrightly um whereas Rob didn't get that back in you know in the same way at all did he
1: no exactly I whether Billlich agrees or not is another matter altogether um but I think certainly he as I say felt like a better fit we're getting those players in aren't we he, you know made it very clear so we've got the forward now with Rauch we have not got the midfielder or the winger, but we've got a week to go, I suppose. Um, although, you know, we did sign a midfielder and a winger, whether or not he wants more on top of that, they have signed a midfielder and a winger and um, looks like we're going to replace the centre half immediately. We've signed, but, you know, I can't remember the last time we did this much business in January. No. Put it that way. Um, so I think, I think, I think, yeah, he would be hard pushed to say he's not being, um, he's not being backed, but obviously, it's um, the proof is in the pudding, and uh, we will just have to wait and see what happens in the next just over a week.
2: So, uh, despite these uh, two relatively decent new additions to the the team, uh, we didn't start particularly well, and ultimately, Rotherham uh, got the opener. It, it, what was your thoughts on, on on the first goal and and what for start? Yeah,
1: start? we just had opportunities to cut it out before it went in, uh, before the ball came in, and I think. There's been a bit of debate, hasn't there, around whether Bachman could have prevented it. Um, some people just have said, you know, oh, well, it would have been easy enough to just, excuse me, it would have been easy enough to just catch the cross. And I'm just watching it back as I, I don't know if it would have been because it. I feel like he'd have just plucked it out of the air if it was that simple. But um, it does take a little spin up off of, someone I'm not sure who it is and that I think changes the trajectory and forces him into a situation where he has to just get a pushy out on it I suppose that the argument is okay if he doesn't catch it then don't push it straight out to Shane Ferguson tip it around the post or, or whatever um, but you know given his performance and I'm sure we'll discuss this anyway it's kind of harsh to lay too much criticism at his door because he ultimately preserved the point in the long run anyway but yeah you know, he, did, we, he did
2: have a good game didn't he Batman? really
1: yeah oh excellent game there are a few a few really decent saves in there um he was you know at his best there we know he is a good um we know he is a good shot stopper but the the one is the 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 block from Tarek Fosu, isn't it, where he smothers his feet right at the end, you know, we get ourselves caught rubbed, yeah. kind of ragged all over the place. Uh, Benet cuts it back to Fosu and you just think, oh, for crying out the loud, all
2: you've
1: got to do is stroke it in the corner um, and Batman's out like a shot and blocks and, you know, there's probably a bit of hesitancy and whatnot from, uh, from uh, Tarek Fosu there to give him the opportunity, but, you know, you, don't look a gift horse in the mouth and he's, he's come up big there that conceivably we lose that game and it, we're talking with a very different mood and a very, you know, through a very different um, lens today. So yeah, it was, it was a good backman performance for me and someone that's kind of taken a lot of unfair criticism over the kind of years, I suppose it is now. Um, I think he is a solid championship goalkeeper that is, perfectly adequate for us where
2: we are now yeah yeah well, i mean you yeah. know man united one at one at one point and there is well, exactly About that i mean you don't get links with a team like man united uh if you if you don't have something and and, and i think i think we've all seen that um batman you know is a, a very decent goalkeeper and maybe he'll have the opportunity to to make the step up again next season if if we get lucky in the playoffs and You'd have to think it would only be the playoffs now because we've lost another two points on the leaders of, as they went on to uh, to, yeah. to to victory at the weekend, whereas we only managed the draw.
1: Yeah, there's no way. There's absolutely not a cat in hell's chance for me that we go up automatically now. Um, but that's fine. That's I'd I'd almost rather it was that way round, and we can focus on getting right, getting in the playoffs, and you know, know that that is our ultimate aim now is to win the playoffs rather than the kind of, oh, come so close and then miss out on the automatic promotion. You see it, don't you? Teams that kind of have, then have to lift themselves emotionally again to go for the playoffs when they thought, oh, we can win promotion. You know, it happened to us, didn't it? We, you know, we thought, oh, we can do it that 12-13 season, the final day against Leeds. I was absolutely convinced we were going to we were gonna do what we needed. Cardiff and Hull were going to draw. Uh, and, and Malky was going to do us a favour in essence and we'd go up and that was that um, and it obviously, for reasons that no one could have predicted didn't go that way and then it was a bit of a damp squib to be in the playoffs, wasn't it? Albeit the playoffs were spectacular, the Leicester game uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd almost rather know that that was our aim now and and we'll we'll go from there.
2: So Watford were trailing at half time, but they came out and looked better in the second half. And it was a great equaliser from Ferreira, who was just basically allowed to carry on running and, and then hit a decent shot towards goal. Personally, I think the ref the, the, the goalkeeper should have done better, but it doesn't matter. It went in, and um, it, you know, it was nice to see the guy celebrate uh with such um vigour.
1: Yeah, good goal. I mean, look, if you get with. I bemoaned earlier the fact that we haven't scored enough goals. If you can get your fullbacks chipping in like that. And I think from everything we've seen from him so far in what is it, a, a game and a half, there's no reason why he can't chip in with a few over the course of the season. Um, they mentioned on from the rookery end, they, or they likened him on from the rookie end to J- Daryl Jammat. And I think that's quite a good yeah. comparison actually, yeah. in terms of wanting to carry the ball and get forwards. Yeah. Um, it's a funny, one, isn't it? Because it kind of went just skidded straight across the floor. It didn't look like a particularly spectacular strike, um, but you know, did the job and ended up in the back of the net. So very pleasing, I suppose. Um, I suppose that's the kind of payoff, isn't it? That he was the one that scored that, but it was he also failed to cut out the little cut back to uh, from Benet to uh, Tarek Fosu. I guess it would have been his man for that chance. At the end. So that's the kind of ying and the yang of, of mm. him and if he can do more harm, yeah. more good than harm then then we're, all, we're going to be alright but yeah good goal and it was I just watched it back again it was Mateus Martins who went outside of him so you know those two already I think are going to be a real threat down that right hand side
2: On the left hand side James Morris uh, was given the go ahead to start um, it was going to be a bit of a contest wasn't it we thought between those two uh, mm. him and Kamara but I think Morris was, was the right man to start the game um, also, uh, was hooked at half time and when Kamara came on, he kind of reminded us quite quickly as to why he is, at least in my opinion, the, the, the better player of the two, or at least or at least gives us more. I don't know. What what's your thoughts on that one, Tom?
1: No, I absolutely agree, mate. Couldn't agree more, in fact. Um, it's been lovely to see Morris in there, which in itself sounds patronizing, but I think is reflective of the situation that was we discussed last week. He's a young lad, he's you know, in fact, I'm gonna look it up now for my own sense of being perfect and knowing everything, um, <laughs> he, he's not played very many games. Hassan Kamara, for all his faults, and I, I agree with anyone that would say he's not had a good season. He hasn't had a brilliant season. Hassan Kamara is a international for the Ivory Coast. Has played loads of games in Ligue 1. You know, was our Player of the Season, albeit in half of a season where everyone else was absolute dog shit um, <laughs> last season, etc., etc. You know, his CV versus James Morris. Is, is significantly more impressive. And and James Morris, I just looked it up, yes, under 10 games, nine appearances in his professional career. He's 21 years old, just turned in November. Uh, didn't make his professional debut until January of last year. So he's only been playing professional football for a very short amount of time. Um, As I said last week, you know, that for me kind of belies his age. It was a more significant factor than his age. But without kind of repeating myself and going down that wormhole, yeah, it was right that he started because he played really well the previous week. I don't think he's let anyone down at any point, unlike Kamara, who is a better player by far and will have a better career. I'm confident of that and has had a better career, but was a bloody idiot against Millwall. (laughs) and cost his team at a time when we really could have done without it. So, yes, there needs to be a bit of... um, He almost needs to do a bit of grovelling there, Kamara, I think, and and he's done it, and we saw, as you say, that he is clearly the right choice to be the first choice left back. Um, But maybe it just serves as a little bit of a warning that Bilic clearly is someone who won't just pick the names. He will pick the players that he thinks are the right players in any given Moment, any given circumstance, um and I'm, I, for one, am all for that. And I think, I think most football fans are too.
2: Yeah, and it's nice to know that um James Morris can be trusted and relied upon to step in. And yeah, I think we've seen he'll him. Get, he'll just get better.
1: Just yeah, get I think better. we've seen you know him improve even over the course of those few games that run a little run of games that he's had. You know, there was plenty of conjecture about how good he was at Norwich, but I think everyone was in kind of unison that he was good you know, had a really good game against Blackpool. I don't think it was a case of me having an appalling game against Rotherham by any means, but I think we were always going to see Kamara at some point and given that we're 1-0 down and been a bit of... at that stage, you know, it made sense to do it. Kamara is quite an attack-minded fullback as well. So, yeah, the whole situation has played out fairly sensibly. I have no complaints, Matthew. Indeed,
2: indeed. (laughs) It was uh, it was lovely to see Toby Adeyemo get on the pitch again, and there was also a league debut for Michael Adupoku as well, which was it, it's it's great that we're seeing these young players getting the opportunities, and I'm really yeah. enjoying this period of. Uh, of, of, the, of the season it's, it's
1: it wasn't that many weeks ago that I said oh god it's you know it's damning that we can't dip down into the under 23s under 18s and bring players through like we have done in the past and now we've done loads of it so good I'm you know I'm pleased and as I say speaks to the point I was making about Billish. I think the thing that was immediately apparent with Michael Adepoku was he is not the physical kind of specimen that um, Toby Adiemi is right you know yeah. you could see he more slight nothing wrong with that he's 17 years old it's what you would expect um didn't have the the same kind of impact and was a little bit kind of hesitant reticent whatever um it's a hard it's a hard situation but i love the fact if nothing else that bilic is throwing these guys on at that stage of a game and saying go on then see see if you can change it for us you know maybe not win it but change it for us at the very least
2: yeah Okay, substitution time. Tom is out. Jordan is in. And uh, Jordan, that gives me the opportunity to uh, fire some very important uh, questions that I've had uh, to ask you. I think the first one that that I'm keen to know, just because it's so fresh and it was just announced by the club, is that uh, we have a new striker in our midst. His name is uh, Henrik Arausch, I think is how you pronounce it. And um, this guy looks very, very good indeed. I'd love to get your take on on initial thoughts on 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 what this means for Watford.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting sign. Well, I guess first of all, hi, good, to, hello, <laughs> good hello, to see you, you again, you, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, very well. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting one. I think it's a it's a sort of signing we were kind of hoping the club would be looking at making. I think forward options was definitely something with the injuries we have and just kind of the way it's worked out forward-wise. We definitely need to bring someone in there. So he ticks a few of the boxes, I'd say, that we were looking for in the summer too. Um, I've sat down and watched some of his games just to try and get a better idea of of what he is and kind of initial impressions. I thought he was quite dynamic in the box. He moves well. Um, You know, He plays with speed in the box. He's not standing still. He's not stagnant. Uh, He's comfortable with both feet. He does like to peel off a little bit from the left hand side to get off that that right centre back and then come across, maybe get some shots across goal. But being comfortable with both feet, it does it does give him the opportunity to to get into some different goal scoring positions. He's not he's not kind of a, an awkward player in the box. He's very fluid in there, and it's just a a good fit for what we're looking for i'd say um he is not he is actually a threat in the air not necessarily someone you'd want with his back to goal he's not going to hold up target man but he is someone that if the ball does come into the box with height he can attack it still which is nice to see he's not the biggest guy um he's quite slight but he, he does time it well so maybe not a physical presence but someone that has a variety of finishing which you know, we kind of lacked a little bit since I think we lost Chucho Hernandez. I think he was someone that offered us that. A little bit of um, v- variety in the, the types of shots he could take and it just gives you options. And, and you have varied delivery like we do. It's not always perfect. Having someone that can adjust and adapt and, and still get shots on target is key. Um, yeah, I think he, he's someone that can offer something in this team. He's, he's different to what we have. Uh, he, he takes lots of shots early, which is nice to see. Um, again, we've lacked that a little bit at times. Uh, he can carry the ball. He's not the—he's not super fast. He's not someone that I'd kind of single out as being particularly fast, but he's mobile. Um, he's mobile enough for what we need. And uh, yeah, I'm interested to see kind of how he settles into this team and and what we kind of do to, to situate him in that forward line. If we give him help uh, with another striker, if we play wingers around him, it, it'll be interesting to see.
2: He offers something very different to what Bio, uh, who currently is the only first team uh, striker available uh, I, I understand mm-hmm. we've been playing Eddie Emo recently as well but um yeah very different in, in in you know compared to compared to Bio
3: yeah I think it's uh Bio has his you know he has a time to play so I think he's more effective for us from the bench in some ways um, but yeah I, I think it's just not really worked out with the forward options we have with Keenan Davis being injured we need someone in there and it's if we're going to bring in backups or replacements I do like looking at different options you know you could go for someone who's a little bit more like for like than to Davis which isn't necessarily easy to find either but going down a different route looking at an avenue of uh, an avenue we could have gone down earlier on perhaps you know we, we were linked to someone like Archer from from Villa at the time that kind of more box foot box player that can kind of attack from wide areas to commit defenders a little easier and, and just be a little, a little bit sharp in the box rather than Davis who offers something different so it, it's, it's a good move and obviously he's quite well regarded um, let's see if he can uh, if he can help this team kind of push towards that playoff spot or secure that playoff spot I should say
2: yeah very exciting so he should be available for Middlesbrough is that right?
3: I believe that's as we record that I think that's kind of what the the idea is that he should be available for that game yeah
2: Nice, nice. Well, that'll be good because that could be uh, an interesting challenge. Um, they've only lost twice since Michael Carrick came in. They've they've sort of turned it around a bit, there, haven't they? They're looking quite good.
3: Yeah, it's just you know it's a difficult task, and I think the game was always one that we we're going to be. You know, you, you look at the thing think even even the beginning of the season. Middlesbrough were a team we thought they they do have some capability there, and Carrick's obviously got them playing at a level which does cause problems for us, especially where we are as a team right now. You know, we, we're not firing all cylinders to kind of be nice about it. So it's going to be a tough test. But if we have someone coming in, you know, to boost us, and then, you know, there might be other positions we're strengthening before then too, then we have a chance, especially with injuries. I'm not sure if you and Tom have had a chance to talk about injuries and players coming back, but, you know, fingers crossed, we've got a few back and, and things start to look a little bit more normal than like they could do going forward. No, we forward. haven't
2: touched upon it really. So uh, what, what, what do you know...
3: Well, I'm I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I think there's there's still a few question marks, but there's there's talk of you know Davis is is getting closer. I think KMB is still a little bit unsure. There's also some ones we haven't really heard too much about. We've not had much of an update on Semer. You know, these are players that we started we expected to start coming back to fitness around this time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've lost Ngakia again. Um, as well so it's you know another player down but we've got a few kind of backs so if we did have the likes of Davis back and if Semmer is nearing fitness but you know, I'm not entirely sure uh, on, on where he is to be honest, with you
2: Bakuna's back that's right he was on the bench I believe
3: Bakuna yeah yeah Bakuna, that's yeah that is correct but then you know do you take out Bakuna? do you take out Gaspar and put Bakuna in this is hard to say I, I'm not I wouldn't at this point to be honest
2: I think Gaspar had another really good game against Rotherham we didn't really talk about that yet but it it was uh, another composed performance from him.
3: Yeah, I think it was. Uh, you know, he looked he looked pretty good there, and you know, I think we're st- we're still judging him based on the fact that he's playing out of position, and you know, using that as a caveat. But you know, all things considered, he did a, he did a good job. He wasn't he wasn't a liability. He he, he was unfortunate. He got into quite a few shooting opportunities, and some of them weren't easy situations to get himself into. The one where he kind of made that darting run into the box, and just made a saw chipped that ball in. He kind of spun and tried to get a volley away. You know, it's a good option, a good opportunity and it was a you know, a good effort from him, but it was still a difficult opportunity. And he, he had a few two chances you know, one week kind of fell to his chest and he took a shot and didn't quite come off. It's unfortunate it kind of wouldn't go in for him. But he was getting to good good attacking positions also, which is not something you necessarily expect for uh when he's kind of playing that cover role in the midfield. You know, having said that, he I, I thought he was he was pretty good. Uh and you know, I'm not rushing to take him out of the team when the next man up is uh, is Bakuna.
2: I'd also be interested to know what your thoughts on um, Ferreira and, and Mateus Martins were.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, they're a dynamic attacking threat from the right-hand side. There's still a couple moments where Ferreira's not entirely comfortable, but you know, it's not dissimilar to a, to a Kiko situation where he, he can defend with pace. It gets him out of a few few issues, but also the attacking threat he possesses kind of forces that that opposing winger to be a little bit more respectful and maybe take a few less risks at times too. Uh, I think someone like Martins, you want to get. If you have a winger like Martins, and you know, or even like Saar, we've seen too in an idle situation, how you get the best out of them is you you get them one on one with their defender. And teams know that Martins will be a threat. I'm sure if they've done the scouting, they'll know that he's a threat. Same with Ismail Saar. Try and double up on him. And the way you can stop that is to have a fullback who can commit. And who also can uh, prove a threat too. And obviously Ferreira is someone that can do that. So you you allow these kind of one-on-one matchups to take place. And I fancy Ferreira against most wingers defensively too. He, he carries the ball really well. Um, he drives the box. It doesn't just have to overlap. You know, you see for the goal too, he kind of runs inside a little bit. Uh, he's not afraid to do that. And obviously he's got a shot that he can he can test the goalkeeper with. So it was promising. And I think if you can build that sort of attacking partnership, then it's, it's, it's something we can benefit from. We saw it last time. We got we got promoted in the last championship season. If you go for and Ismail Assar we're a real weapon for us. Uh, you don't have to if you're trying to be a little bit more conservative. You don't have to have the same thing on both sides. And we didn't last time either. The left back's a little bit a little bit more kind of restricted and and didn't overcommit perhaps. But, you know, that right-hand side is, is now an area which we look at as a real strong point from, from two new additions that come in in January. I think when we, we talk about January transfer windows, we want to improve the team. And we've not done a good job of doing that in the last few years. Most of the time it's to, you know, half cover a few holes or add some depth. But I think we've got two new starters on that side. So there's there's definitely something to be positive with there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um Talking about transfers, and um, we we covered this, but I don't know if there's anything else that you know about it. We we mentioned that uh, Watford appear to be interested in Hibernian's Ryan Porteous, but what type of player he is other than a centre back? I don't know. I don't know if you've had a look at him at all, Jordan.
3: I have. Yeah, I'm still in the relatively early stages, so I'm, I haven't got my mind made up fully. But he, I mean, the the broad broad comments, he can play with the ball a little bit. Uh, he's aggressive. He he can be physical, he doesn't doesn't lack pace, not the fastest, but you know, not the slowest either. But I think he's someone that I would I, I would kind of describe as a combative center back, uh, with a little bit of ball playing ability. Obviously still quite young, so his game could could mature or, you know, vary a little bit as as time goes on. Uh but you can see the upside in the player. He's someone that could come in, I'd I'd probably say could play now uh and improve this team and you know, especially when you look at some of the center back options we have. Uh, but he's definitely one you kind of you bring in because you 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 think he's got a high ceiling uh, and there's more to come but you look at the raw traits of that you know ability to win the ball um reading of the game is good he's decent in the air uh, and he plays the level of aggression that you know that can that can make a difference in defense then he's uh he's someone that's got some upside, and I can see why the club are at least interested in in him uh he may, can be a little bit rash at times. Again, I've still got to watch a little bit more to, to kind of have that full understanding. I've only watched two games. I feel like I need a few more than that. But he uh, he's an interesting one. He he definitely adds something to the team at this point, especially with William Trooster-Kong leaving as well. Um, spots are up for grabs and there's a there's a starting, oh, I mean, you could argue two starting positions available at centre-back right now. So would you put him next to Kafcott, you think? Yeah, I think you'd look at him as... I mean, you could argue that him and Serialta might be a bit a bit too much, but uh, it could be next to Cathcart. It could be alongside Serialta. And, you know, you've got to look at the, the players we have available there. They have injury history. You know, all, all the centre-backs, Cavaselli, Cathcart, Serialta, they've missed, they've missed games of hamstring injuries, groin injuries, you know, ankle injuries. We We can't rely on them to be available for all these games. Um, I, I don't trust that that group to be on the pitch that much. So uh, I think his partner could vary, and that's one thing I'm not overly confident about with our defence is the fact that we do have uh, that constant rotation of centre backs because of those injury situations too, not just out of um, choice of personnel. Uh, but if he can come in and, and be available, then that's something we can uh, we can certainly benefit from because we need that.
2: What's your feelings on the um, on the True Stekong departure? Um.
3: Yeah, I mean it depends how we replace him, really. I think I don't think he's the worst centre back we have, so a little bit disappointing in that sense. Uh, he's someone that you know he he has his intangibles that are talked about quite a lot, his, the qualities that he brings. I, I think we all kind of feel similar on Akong. He he can be decent at times, um, but he's not quite good enough for uh, the Premier League, and he can even be exposed at Championship level 2 under the under the wrongs or right circumstances, depending which type which way you look at it. Uh, but is, is it too early to say if Portius could be Premier League level I think it's a little bit early I mean you know a lot of these kind of uh, you know a lot of players can that don't end up making it so it's hard to say in, in some ways but you know he has to if you're looking at a player to become a Premier League level defender you're looking for certain traits and I think he possesses those traits whether or not he um, is able to kind of unlock that potential and then put in the right situation to do so you know kind of remains to be seen but uh, I, I think he's someone that can come in and he can fill the role that, that William Truce to Kong uh, fill, uh, or was currently in, I'm sure. But it's more of a question of, you know, we, we're losing Truce to Kong. Are you putting yourself in a vulnerable situation with the likes of Cabacelli and Cathcart, who, you know, miss a, a fair number of games themselves? It, it's one of those. But look, if if we're reshaping a squad, you have to be opportunistic in the, mar- in the market. And sometimes... Uh, offers come along at a time that you know you have to capitalise on them and they might not be there in the summer. So if we feel that the time is best to move on, if the player wants to be in a position where he's starting and he also knows that his future is, is away from Vic Road, whether it's now or in the summertime, then I'm okay with that if it indicates, which I think it does, that we are reshaping our squad, which is something we've we've called for for quite a while. I think we I think Truster Kong posted something on his Instagram saying goodbye and stuff today.
2: Yes, Ekong is definitely uh, on his way out. Uh, although the, what, the the club themselves haven't actually mentioned it yet, but yes, uh, I think Ekong said goodbye. He was waving around at the um, at the stadium, wasn't he? Uh, on Saturday, he was sort of saying, mm,
3: "I did see that." Yeah, actually, yeah.
2: But um, yeah, Portis, we hope is is on his way to Watford, but um, not confirmed yet. Um, let's answer a few questions because uh, we asked for a few, and we've got some for you, Jordan. So let's start off with Chris, who has said, uh, apart from the odd game this season. Which has felt like a slog. We are third during the worst injury crisis I have known. Should we actually be feeling better about the season so far?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. I, I think there's an, there's an argument for it. I think it's kind of one of those things where every, every game we play, we kind of check the table afterwards and we all say, How are we third still? Like, how's this happening? Um, we're not quite performing like we're not going we have the consistency of a team we'd expect. Uh, to be up at third place. I, I think for me, the the concern is not so much just about this season. I think a lot of us Watford fans now, our, our feelings towards um, the club in regards of being concerned or positive is kind of a, a slightly bigger picture than the, the individual season. I'm not sure if you feel the same way here, Matt, but it's more concerns about the kind of longer term uh, health of the club and team rather than the, the immediacy of this season necessarily. Um, I think we want to see improvement I I don't know that we we're desperate for promotion this season. I think obviously we want to do well and you know we all want to see our club get promoted in some ways, but it's more about the um the kind of consistent progression and evolving or evolving of the club in a direction we hope it will go. I think so much of that kind of remains to be seen right now. That kind of gives us a little bit of a different feeling around this season. If it was a, a different situation, perhaps we'd had a, a restructure in the summer or, you know, maybe if we were third with the, the head coach we brought in in the summertime, we're building around and the kind of recruitment's been built around, we might feel a little bit different. But I'm not sure if that's kind of tainting the opinion right now. Does that make sense, Matt?
2: Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Um, I'd, I'd also add that um, it probably, for a lot of my fans, doesn't feel like third is that amazing right now because of the way that we're so far off the top 2 it doesn't feel like we're still in the hunt for anything other than the playoffs so i guess it's hard to forget that third is just one one place below second because it's uh you know realistically we're only fighting for the playoffs right now right
3: i guess the gap doesn't help that feeling either is it the gap between no. second and third
2: and the um, gap between third and what seventh or eighth? Or, I mean, there's only a few, yeah. a few points, b- between it. So I mean, yes, third today. But if if we lost the next game and everyone below us won, then where would we be outside the playoffs? Maybe.
3: Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely very tight and. Um... I think it's, it's it's just a difficult one. It's it's not something that you could be overly negative about. But again, for me, it's just a kind of broader picture of it all. Um, has it has a more of an impact on, on half of about the season? It's tough to kind of separate the two. Uh, but you know, as long as we're around these playoff spots, the important thing is: are we seeing? Are, do we feel comfortable? Do we feel confident uh, that we can improve going forwards? And if if we get to the third, if we end at third, and we you know we have a good run in the playoffs, then obviously it's still a, a, a good thing. I, I think. The objective was probably, you know, well, you'd, you'd expect the objective for the team that was set was promotion, that being automatics. But uh, as fans, I think we all kind of felt that unless we um, kept some of the best players we had and, and not just kept them, but kept them healthy. You know, we've lost the good, the, you know, inverted commas, good players we, we retained in SAR and and Pedro and, and loser and so on. We lost a lot of those to injury for quite, quite extensive periods. So you know, I don't think it's a bad representation of where we are. And third almost kind of feels like best case, given the the circumstances we've been under, even though we do feel we could have performed better at times anyway. Yeah.
2: Okay. Great question, that one. Um, This one comes from Hampshire Hornet. Uh, he says, uh, your prediction for the remaining games, uh, and he appreciates that might take a bit more preparation. Um, oh, God. Tom, Tom's not here right now, so I think that's our get out clause. But we will do it because it, it, I'd like to see what your... um. Your, your, your predictions are I can give my prediction for, for Middlesbrough. Um I you know what I'm really excited to see this new this new player um, Aroush and uh, I think we're going to win um, let's say 2-1
3: yeah I'll, I'll go with you on that let's, uh, let's have some positivity I'm also going to say a win
2: nice excellent yeah. um, we'll come back with more of those uh, in a future pod though so we can uh properly answer your question there hampshire um this one comes from vic Bates. he says who would you say is a leader slash strong character in the squad for me it's pedro cleverly possibly backman and loser that's about it that's not, that's not i mean you've listened a few there but um who would mm. i say i would i would add kafka into that uh, i know that he maybe isn't as vocal he doesn't visibly seem to be that vocal but i mean he's got a lot of experience and he feels like he does shore up that back line when he's in it um how about you jordan
3: yeah i mean i guess it's kind of hard to say strong character you say strong character is that the wording strong character say
2: is a leader slash strong character
3: leaders i mean i guess it depends how you define leadership i think there's lots of different ways and you know there's the conventional ways that you know as you mentioned there you know being vocal and communication and so on but i think professionalism is is a, is a leadership quality in its own right you know we always talk about lead by example and so on but you know how you conduct yourself and being calm and, and stoic sometimes in the right situation or you know being showing emotion and, and being vocal and communicating other times it just depends but in terms of players I think are at least a good example or at least conduct themselves in, in a way that would you know present leadership qualities I think you've, you listed some there um, I don't know about loser i, I I'm not sure potentially I mean he's good that helps, but um yeah, I mean, I think backman is someone that at least plays the level of passion that can be contagious to a team uh I think you know it's not so much leadership but you look you look at the uh the young players coming through, and I think that adds a real a real element of um a real element of freshness but also just kind of contagious um optimism and positivity. I think having those players around the team really helps. So it might not be a leadership quality or a, you know, a, a, an example of a leadership you're necessarily asking for. But I think in terms of bringing bringing the the positives you you associate with leadership skills, I'd say that those are those are kind of some positives that we can we can discuss there with the young players coming through that even add something. Because uh, we're definitely not a team that has those standout um standout leaders. You know, you got Truce Kong who's leaving. He's one that's kind of been talked about as that. Uh, but we, we're not a team that you kind of can easily sit back and say, you know, like we did when we had Troy Deeney and so on. It's, it's not quite the same. It's different now.
2: I mean, when people discussed Watford, it, they, I think Troy Deeney was only a few seconds away from being mentioned in the same sentence. Whereas now we don't really have that one player anymore, do we? Who No. Yeah.
3: And honestly, I don't think you need it necessarily. I don't think it's it, it's such a... Leadership in the team situation. For me, the most important leadership role is the head coach. That's the first thing you've got to look at. And that's, he he's the ultimate leader of the team. You have the kind of, the, the team is a subcategory almost in, in terms of having that other leader on the pitch. Being on the pitch, leadership wise, I think, you know, as, as we talked about, you draw from so many different areas and with it being a team sport, you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be one central figure doing it. You want to get gain it or gather it from as many people as possible. You want to all be pulling in the same direction. and It's a real, Kind of cocktail of <laughs> of different styles that come toward or lead to uh, having a team that kind of plays with that right mentality, the mentality we all want to see from our team. Um, you know, it's, it's it's about how you set the the kind of boundaries and, and the expectations of what you what you want from that side. And as I said, the head coach. I, I think has to be the guy to kind of, you know, lay that groundwork down. And would say Billich is someone that, that does offer that. And I think that's probably been, been a little bit of an underrated aspect of his head coach reign so far. Uh, maybe something we've not been able to see fully because of the other issues we've had, such as injuries.
2: Well, you may have just answered it there, uh, Jordan, but Nick uh, sort of came with a follow-up question to, to Vic's question. Um, I, he, Nick asks, uh, how can Watford develop that leadership? We average one to three managers a season. The roster churns. Incoming players are young or may feel they don't have standing to take charge. Veterans are relegated one or two times so may not be valued. It's a good question.
3: Yeah, I think um, the identification of character is actually is an important part of scouting a player and it's something that's becoming more and more valued by clubs. You know, it's a very difficult thing to, to monitor and you have to do it in different ways. It requires a an understanding of the, the human being, the person, person outside of just the player. Uh, and obviously you kind of, you, you see personality come through in the way that players play at times for sure. But um, because it is such a, you know, as, as we're just touching on there, it's such a diverse kind of question is, is what is leadership on the team or, or what is character, what kind of, what can you bring to the team, which offers some some positive output? And I, I think a, a finding, at least, a standard that you want to reach or you want to kind of go to for playing uh, for player and staff. You know, bringing in players that you feel confident in their character is, is is something that has to be looked at. And I'm not saying we don't have that now, but the, the points you raised there are correct. There are issues, and you can have that. No one, you can't just you can't expect everyone to be these stable you know, stoic leader types that are going to come in and change the the, the course, the club and the, and the team. But you have to kind of find a few that are coachable and, and able to, you know, help out the team when, when you need it. And I don't just mean pick them up and, you know, shout in the right moments. I just mean be good, solid <laughs> people to have around the team.
2: Yeah, no, they're, they're very important. And who do you think is the the current leader of the squad then?
3: I think it's a collective to us with you, Matt. I don't yeah. think there's probably a standout. I, I think it's a. i I wouldn't say that. I, I think, you know, you, you, you go into team, you go into dressing rooms and so on, it's you know, it gets fractured and not in necessarily in a negative way, but everyone has their groups they stay with and so on and um, that doesn't have to be a bad thing. I, I think you you just need you just you just need them to come together and you need to give them a common goal. And this is this is something we talked about with the club from the very top you know, having that common goal and, and working out how you can move towards it and, and bringing in the right personalities. You know, you've got to, you got as we just said, you've got to look at these personalities, these players, these people, um, when when they come into the club and, and kind of try and address or assess how they're going to interact and, and work together. Because it is, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a large group of people all trying to pull towards the same thing. And you can't have fractured dressing rooms and you, you can't do that and be successful when you want to have an ultimate goal that you have to be so locked in on you have got to be so focused on that to really to uh, achieve something beyond your means to an extent as a unit as a group as a collective you have to be so focused on that goal uh, and attaining it over the course of a very very long season that's why the championship's so hard that's why you have so many you know winning streaks and losing streaks and that's why when you look at something like like something like burnley where they've really re- they really kind of restructured the whole co- culture of the club and we talk about leadership someone like Vincent Company has come in and you know he's he's got experience in those positions anyway but he's come in and he's created a situation to cultivate the players that come in and and make the most out of the out of the playing ability but also bringing in certain personalities from you know similar backgrounds and bringing them all together and working out how to effective for so long and so consistently it's um it, it's the sort of thing we should be looking at and i'm not saying just buy from one market it's, it's not always that easy but my point is that they, they found a niche and they they've really worked on it and they've, they've assessed things well and it's it's what can happen if you if you get it right
2: okay great thanks jordan um next question comes from douglas uh who also says pots are out um His question though is, do you find it strange that Bilic didn't deploy Kone next to Choundry against Rotherham? Considering we've lacked a ball player in centre midfield all season, barring losers couple of games, it seemed bizarre to set up with Gaspar there instead, meaning we struggle to progress, in his opinion. What, What do you think?
3: Yeah, I think I get what he's saying. Um, I think that's the difficulty with the the balance of players we have available to us right now. You need you want someone to be in that advanced position to to progress the ball, and I think his worry would have been, you know, can Gaspar do that? Probably not. Um, but I think Kone is someone you want to carry the ball from a little further forward. I, I think what was most effective is when we had Shadri as the the central kind of anchor figure playing a little bit deeper, allowing the fullbacks to get a little bit higher, being that passing option, being that shield, that screen for the back four or the back two at times um, and allowing us to kind of play wide a little more, uh, in in which case you kind of have Kone and Gaspar in front. That was kind of ideal for me. I think if you drop Kone a little bit deeper, it, it might help Progress the ball somewhat, but I worry what would happen once it got to Gaspar. That that would be my concern. I I do think there were there were times there where Gaspar was deeper and defensively. I I get it in possession. We we did look a bit stuck. So I think it's just a byproduct of 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 the the makeup of that midfield. I mean, if you if you showed that midfield to us to begin the season, we've been pretty horrified or questioning a lot of things anyway um, as to how it kind of came to that. Um, you know, these are three players that weren't playing for us last season. And suddenly they kind of jammed into this you know makeshift midfield three um so yeah it wasn't perfect and I, I don't think you're wrong um with that question I think you know what you're saying is is definitely a viable plan because it wasn't it wasn't perfect was it
2: if Watford let's just say in this fictional world for a second that Watford have got all of their midfield available what's your preferred setup for for the for the midfielders who, who do you choose and, and what they're doing
3: um, you know, I'd probably say, for me, I, I would have, prior to this, I would have, probably had, prior to the signing of cone I would have felt a little bit differently about the shape, perhaps, but, <clears throat> excuse me, I think now I would say, oh, it's tough, you know, because it really depends how we approach it when Pedro's back, you have know, got different options now, and I think with Pedro, you kind of, you don't necessarily want to play him in that central role, because obviously we've got new players coming in, we've got Keenan Davis um, that can occupy there, uh, so.
2: Including Pedro in the midfield?
3: Well, I think that's probably where he's likely going to play, um, playing in that kind of attack, you know, kind of hybrid role between a a striker and a number 10, you know, a a number 10 that can carry the ball from deep but get into the box and support, in which case you're probably looking at Chowdhury plus Loser or Kone. Um, I think from a midfield perspective, I would like to see, I'd quite like to see Chowdhury as a kind of holding player and then in front of him, uh, the two central midfielders of uh, Kone and Loser. Mm. That would be a good. Balance. I would like to see that, especially because you can you can vary the responsibility. There is good for pressing. Um, you know both players in Loser and 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 Kone have quite, quite good legs. They can they can get into pressing positions quickly and they can kind of activate those traps nice and smoothly. Uh, I like them off the ball at times as well. So if you're going to kind of press from the front, I think that'd be really useful. Uh, but the question is, how does that affect Pedro? Because on the left, you know left. when. F- yeah, I mean, that's an option. I, I just don't... I think village is going to want him to get in the game as much as possible, on the ball as much as possible. But if you play him from... The, if you play him wide, I mean, there's going to be a lot of options. It's going to be fascinating to see what you would do because when when Pedro comes back, I, I think it's enough to make you question the shape. You know, we've seen this toy around. We've played with a back three and so on. You know, if we maybe went to a 3-5-2, would you feel differently? But... Then you still got a fit sara it's, it's a tough one it's a, it's a really interesting one now because we have two striking options in um in davison what's your pronunciation of, of the new boy Matt? uh <laughs> okay Aroush. just insert that because i can't roll the r as well as that consistently so you can just insert that pronunciation um <laughs> well, in, I, I, there. I didn't say it was right uh, it sounds good though i'll take it um you know you've got you've got different striking options now so do you want to take one of those players out of the team to get Pedro in a central position where he can produce elsewhere and he likes to drop deep? It's a tough one. Um, I'm interested to see. And look, there's no guarantee all those players will be available at the same time anyway. But um, I think we've got some options, which I, I will look at as a positive rather than negative. Good stuff. I'm not really sure if I answered that question there. But, you know, it's, it's one that you've definitely got to think about. And I, I think the question is good because it's definitely not, a, um, it's not a, an easy answer at this point.
2: No, no. Um here's a, another question this one from Peter Johnson he says why do you think we have this roller coaster performance profile of win slash lose little consistency over the past few years cannot string a run together which is worrying
3: yeah i mean look i think talking about it from i, I think it's too big of an answer to discuss it from a, over the years question we've kind of talked about the issues at the club for quite a while and I think they, they lead into it quite a lot but in terms of just this season or recent parts of this season obviously you know injuries and so on I think I think just disruption just constant disruption um, you know changing of coach and so on but just come in but he's not really kind of had the stable base to work off yet he hasn't had when I say he hasn't had a transfer window I don't mean for him to be active in the transfer window we know how the club operate but we haven't had the recruitment team or they the recruitment team haven't had the opportunity to really kind of restructure this team yet so very much in the in between phase, we're in flux, and it's not it's not a stable ground uh, to, to work upon for anyone, whether it be playing staff or coaching. So I think it's difficult to to get that consistency, especially when you add in the um, uh, the injury crisis that we've been going through. For me, I think one of the things with Watford and and this Watford team in particular, our quality is uneven. Um, we have players that elevate our quality as a whole. You know, you talk about Pedro, Sar when he plays well, um, you know, the likes of loser when he's available and plays well. These are players that can bring up those around them and get the team playing at a higher level. So when they're not playing well or when they're not in the team, um, it, it becomes difficult to replicate that sort of performance. And, you know, we haven't had the time, again, and we talk about being rushed and, and, and things are kind of fragmented we haven't had the time to kind of build that identity and that culture, whether or not we'll get to that point. And hopefully we have an, a, an idea to do so or a plan to do so. And hopefully that's part of what uh, Ben Mangas' appointment was about too, is kind of finding that um, until we have that, we're not going to have consistency in terms of performance and, and output. It's just going to be somewhat week to week. And that's, that's difficult to to mount a title t- challenge with. Um, we, we did it last time we were in the championship because we had enough quality in a, in a, a poor league relatively poor league to do that but you know even then we still had lots of inconsistencies despite finish, finishing second we we're in very much a similar situation so uh, I think if you want to find that level of um consistency and kind of putting those runs together you have to you have to build a team which has that that culture around it that uh, allows it to become comfortable in what's required of the players or the coaching staff and really kind of get that consistency you're after and right now we're not there. Hopefully, we will be there. That's the plan, I hope.
2: Fingers crossed. Um, right, that was some of the newer questions. We've got some uh, questions that came in previously that we haven't had a chance to get to yet. So we're going to ask some of those as well. Um, apologies for the, uh, the delay there, but let's go straight into them. At Mikey Abrahams, does anybody know the credentials for our medical team? As I'm fairly confident there is nothing related to medicine in their CVs. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not been great has it to be honest i mean i'm not going to blame the medical team but um you know it's uh it's been very um unusual i think perhaps that uh, i think Bilich highlighted this as well he was he was surprised at how many injuries that we had had it's not a, it's not it's not common to see this many injuries is it
3: no it's completely abnormal um you know we've talked about this kind of somewhat at nauseum. so that i don't want to beat a dead horse with it but um you know, there's a lot of elements to take that, that play into. I, I question the cohesion between all those groups. Um, I, I, I'm not sure it's where we needed to be. That would just be an assumption based of other other goings on in the club, which I, I feel that I've got an understanding of where I, I'm not entirely sure that um, things are perhaps being managed as cleanly as they could be but I don't know for sure. And it's tough. It's tough to say without, we're looking from the outside. It's, it's it's not easy to kind of put your finger on it, but you know, it's past the point of coincidence. There is clearly an issue there no team should be at the level we are injury wise. Even if you wanted to say it's about the sort of players we, we recruit or whatever, you know, these are all elements or factors we have to be considering as a team, you know, across all areas of that recruit of that medical department. It's not just the, the doctors and so on. It's also, the, you know, the physios and the, the the trainers and everything, it all plays a part.
2: Um here's a fun one from Lou Horns. Uh, we obviously need multiple players, but if each of you could bring in one player specifically, who would it be?
3: Oh God. Um poor on the spot.
2: You can think about that one. That's a like, tough. We can, we can move on to another question. You can have a think about that one if you
3: like. might have to think about it, because you know, with these with these, uh, these rumours and stuff that have been going on, because we've addressed a couple of the positions which I would have put down as key. Do you have anyone I mean I've got a few names in mind, but I kind of want to think about what, what position is even most crucial now, do you think?
2: Hmm. Well, it seems as though we've sorted the striker position, but I I wouldn't mind some backup there. But yeah. How about Winger? I mean, Winger certainly on the left wingers side one. seems to be uh, something that we need to look at, right?
3: What do you think about yeah, wingers one still, which is, is we don't really know the situation with Semmer and stuff. What about what about left back? How do you feel on left back now?
2: I think to be honest, I and we discussed this earlier with with um, Tom, who has uh, has left now. I think he's enjoying a, a nice meal out. Um, we said that we felt comfortable with James Morris as a backup now, which previously we hadn't necessarily. Known much about what he can bring to the table, but that we're not particularly yeah. excited by him, but that we feel as though Kamara is the first choice and is doing a a reasonable job, but he needs to um <laughs> he needs to pay us back for the uh, the disappointing uh, silliness that he's that he's uh, done this season. So as long as he's in the team, we we thought he was okay. But what what's your opinion, there John?
3: No, I think uh, I think that's i think that's fair i still think he's i think Morris is for me i'm still not i'm not i would still prefer a a a different option to Morris i think especially if Camaras you know has that unavailability he could he's kind of reckless at times and you you can't kind of align him being there plus with his um with his situation the summer being quite unclear. Do we want to look at someone now, kind of a little bit like Ferreira, where you, you have a longer term option coming in in January? And we talk about availability and timing in the market, you know, someone like Liam Manning that we've been interested in before. If, for example, we were to go in and try and look to get Liam Manning done now when his, his contract situation is kind of in a bit of a tough spot for Swansea, is that an option that you kind of feel quite good about coming in? Where it's mm-hmm. it, it helps the team now, but, you know, you've also got a couple of years down the line still, you could, you could be working with a player like Manning. But is it is it a need right now? Is a question, isn't it? That's the thing that's tough to.
2: Yeah, I've got I've got a name for you that I like. Um, I don't Go know if then. you're familiar with him, uh, David Hanko. I, he plays for Feyenoord. He's also in the Slovakia national team. He's a, a left Not back.
3: overly familiar, no.
2: He's a left back, but he also plays centre back, and um, he seems like he's on the up. Uh, he was signed by final this season from Sparta Prague. And, um, I think they've picked up a gem there, but, um, why don't, why don't you have, a, a look at him and then you can, you can tell me
3: what your. Yeah. Should we, about, should we think about, about this about. question? Yeah. yeah. Think about this question and we'll come back with, uh, with the proper answer. I think to really answer it properly, we kind of got to assess what the main, what the main position of need is and then, and then go back from there. But yeah, thanks for the question, Luke.
2: Yep. Good question. Um, I'm sorry
3: we didn't get a proper answer out Yeah,
2: we will probably have to think about this one and then get you a proper answer Um, Right, not a question this one from Matt Gom but he says he'd happily sell Saar to Everton for a discount in January if we could get Decore back on loan Saar needs to go and we need midfielders Oh,
3: okay (laughs) Well, I mean, if you wanted to fuel the fires of of rumour from from that, from Abdullah Decore. There was talk of it, and apparently, there. Were, I think there were even some reasonably reliable sources that said there was some interest in looking at that deal. Not necessarily the SAR situation, but bringing Decore over. I did read today that suppo- supposedly or allegedly there was a, an argument, or a, quite a heated argument between Abdullah Decore and the now Sachs Frank Lampard, but the Decore was, ban- uh, was kind of suspended effectively. Um, for for that argument and that his situation at Everton is looking increasingly unlikely to be going on for much longer. You know, who knows now with with a different head coach coming in that things might change and obviously there are other teams that will be interested in Decor. I know that, you know, Marco Silva at Fulham was one and I think Nottingham Forest have been linked but, you know, if it's a, if it's a possibility, he's 30 years old there's a chance that we could bring him down to the championship and he would definitely help our team. I wouldn't say no to it if if he was there and if uh, some of his wages were covered at least. But yeah, if, we, if they were offering, if we could get a, a discounted offer from Everton, and I mean, I think I, and what what's a discounted offer for Everton? Like market value, probably? That would be fine <laughs> with me.
2: Yeah. I mean, players very rarely want to go back to their former clubs, don't they? Sometimes, I don't know, do they feel like it's... Uh taking a step backwards perhaps
3: maybe i mean he played the best football of his career with us so i mean obviously that would be in a premier league would be his ideal situation but you know if i wouldn't be against exploring the opportunity at least
2: okay oh here's a good one and this one might have come uh, a question too late actually this one's from at tom feel uh he says dennis undav would be ideal for us 38 goals plus assists in 38 games in Belgium last year, and could do a job in the Championship He's the kind of striker we've been crying out for.
3: You talking about the, the Brighton player? Wait, hold on, hold on. Let me. How do you spell? Is it U N D A V? Yeah. Uh, German, because if, the, if he's talking about the same, there's a,
2: seems to be. There's a striker who nice. plays. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: There's a Brighton's forward who on loan in in Germany. Um, I mean, sorry, in Germany, in Belgium. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not saying no those productive striker. Haven't. I'm aware of him, but I haven't particularly watched him. I'm, I'm aware of him because he's a Brighton player that went out on loan more than anything. But, um, yeah. If you've watched him, you think he's good. He's got a good record, and why not? Why not?
2: Nice. Tell us tell us why you think uh well I yeah, you've, already, you've already told us, but tell us what traits you think that he possesses that would make him perfect for uh for Watford. And if the recent yeah. signing um of Arausch, <laughs> I bet I'm saying it wrong every <laughs> time. Um it, it changes it for you um right. yeah because
3: we've we've yeah. we've only just very just seen the, the the question as we've sat here so it's hard for i i'll have a look at him and see what he's about and if you give me a little bit more of a detailed detailed report on him to sell us on him
2: tom phil that's at jordan wymer send him a message yep. and he'll give you exactly a, a response um this one comes from ed j who is at heart on my sleeve we know there's an issue with the fitness team. What can be done about it if you were the hierarchy? We've kind of covered this one, but um, anything that you wanted to add to that, Jordan?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, this, know, is, this is... this has
2: changed, you think, realistically as well.
3: What was the last bit, sorry?
2: It, it also adds, is anything realistically going to change, do you think?
3: Oh, I see. Um, well, first part of that question, I mean, this happens to be so- something which is close to my close to my heart. I don't know if I'd say that. This is something that I haven't been particularly interested in because it is my profession. It's a field. Yeah, exactly. This is where I work. And so in terms of, you know, my philosophy for this sort of situation uh, or how the the structure of these sorts of things, you know, this is, you have to be very integrated across all departments. Dealing with a, a professional athlete is a very complicated thing, especially trying to maximize performance. Um, you know, dealing with any human being is difficult let alone when you do it to such a minute detail of them physically uh, as well as dealing with a personality as well it's it's not a, a broad practice you're looking at you can't you can't give you know one specific plan and structure for the entire team it has to be an individualized system but with a broad team idea in mind so it's complicated but to do so you have to have uh, a, a diverse team who are integrated you have to be looking at it from every angle um, you have to be communicating across departments, you know, the physios, the medics, uh, the doctors, um, the athletic trainers and so on. They've got to be refined and got to be on point and they've got to be in communication and sharing the notes and, uh, you know, collaborating. It's a, a collaborative thing. So I think that'd be the first thing I'll be looking at. And, and importantly, in that situation, you have to have a good leader in terms of uh, someone that knows and recognizes how to um, how to maximise that team, but also uh, also take in that information and, and actually implement it properly. You've also got to have a, a staff in terms of head coach and an owner who is willing to listen to you, because you know most most coaches, most owners want their best players to play um, when as every, every time they can. So there's always a, a push and pull in that regard. You know, if it was up to the, if it was up to you know us, then a lot of the time players probably wouldn't be playing. Uh, because their their goal isn't necessarily, necessarily the result, it's the player performing to the best of their abilities and for as long as possible. When I say long as possible, I don't mean 90 minutes, I mean the whole season. So um, it, that would be my approach, is try and find someone that can lead that team as a whole. I'm not sure if they've got someone employed currently who kind of oversees that sports performance aspect of it oftentimes it get gets quite kind of department based and you know you might have a technical director or you know it, it, worryingly it could even be someone like Scott Duxbury and, and Gino kind of assessing that situation and, and and speaking to those individuals who are all kind of vying for their own little little bit of not power necessarily but you know proving their point more than anything rather than a, a collective um, agreement if that makes any sense I'm not sure but that's kind of what I would do
2: that's a really comprehensive answer jordan that's uh yeah very well done there. Uh, you, we can tell that it's your um it's, it's your uh, field of expertise um let's move oh, well, on yeah. to this one from mark he says we're repeatedly unable to start on the front foot, especially with billich in charge what can be done to change this
3: we're repeatedly unable to start on front yeah so starting strong um I suppose there was still...
2: an example of that. This just, just gone this weekend. We, we we didn't start particularly well against Rotherham, did we?
3: No, but then the week before against Blackpool, we started quite well, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we
2: did. It's true. I
3: I think for me, I think one of the difficult one of the difficulties Watford have faced for a couple of seasons now, especially the last couple of championship seasons, I think teams you know, because we talk about that imbalance of quality um, a little bit earlier on, where we have these, these these players that elevate the overall quality of the team by bringing that individual talent. I think oftentimes teams respect us very heavily when we don't earn that respect sometimes. So when a team does sit back, um, especially, you know, the early, por- early portions of the game, that concentration, um, you know, physical aptitude, ability to be able to stay in position, quickly get back in position when you've committed going forwards. It's very hard when you're playing as a team that's sat deep and and, and so on. Early on, it's very difficult to break them down, especially so we don't have the quality. You know, if you took a mid-table team, if you did that, if you did that to a mid-table team, which we, we have a real range, um, a real scale that we can perform at, if we're performing at lower mid-table Watford, which we've done on a few occasions for 85 minutes of a game, a team that's around our level sitting back and being compact is extremely difficult for us to break them down. It's extremely difficult for us to start with intensity, which it actually comes to anything because start with intensity is great, but it's, it's not great if you're, you know, running into players, trying to get past them, you know, taking shots that aren't on. It, it has to be, it has to be tight. It has to be sharp. And, um, uh, I'd say it's a consistency thing more than anything. I don't think we're consistently able to start well. Um, just given our situation, which is a real shame because, you know, it's something that we should be able to take advantage of, especially at home, but we've not really been able to master it.
2: Is it anything to do with um, the the opposition? I mean, sometimes, at least I get the sense that Watford seem to play up to the better teams in the division and maybe don't start so well against the teams that are, 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 you know, not doing as well in the table, or is that just...
3: No, I think that's kind of what I mean. It's the, the the teams respecting respecting us as as an issue, as an offensive issue. They, you know, they, they make it very difficult for us. And I know obviously that's what they're trying to do, but it's almost inadvertently difficult because. We just don't really have the ability to um to play at that tempo from the beginning and be successful doing it at all times, especially when you take out when you take out a Pedro, you put Sar, you know, SAR giving a five out of ten performance and so we rely on these individuals to, to, to be a to be the threat in these situations. And we're not quite as good when we take them out. So it becomes a situation where you know, you've got a team that's defending well against us and being organised, compact, and playing deep. And it's really just our Achilles' heel. We can't break it down. You see, you see the game of the weekend. Um, we. We had control at times until we get to the final, final third. We just don't really have the answers to the questions. So it's an effective strategy, but I think teams could also be a little bit more open against us and, and, and do quite well. I think sometimes it's actually helped us that the teams maybe over-respect us from a defensive standpoint and you know, then maybe led to a couple of these clean sheets. But uh, in terms of specifically talking about a fast start, I think it does hamper us.
2: Okay, thanks very much, Jordan. Um, one last one, this one from Nick. Uh, is there a position that we do not need to recruit and how many new players can we feasibly sign and integrate in January integrate I think that's a good question um can I get in on this one as well I yeah think go ahead the uh, goalkeeper is is pretty settled to be honest uh I think backman has been doing a great job this season um he made a fantastic save in the last game that sort of kept us uh, with a point. And, um, okay, I suppose there is an, a, a question mark over, um, uh, who's second choice at the minute. Um, but I'm pretty confident with back-winning goal. But what about you?
3: Yeah, I think goalkeeper, if you kind of look at the whole group, if you kind of go positionally, um, as Nick is asking there, even though O'Coy has, has some question marks around him, he's, He's not been in the squad, obviously. That's part of that. It's kind of rule based, but I think goalkeeper is definitely one of the, the the stronger positions in depth in some ways because we do have Backman, he's played well. You know, his availability is good. He doesn't miss many games. Um, no, I, I don't disagree with you. I think too, like in terms of other positions, you know, we ju- I think. Well, is there? I don't think there's a positional group that I wouldn't like us to strengthen. I know every team could say that, but even just being realistic, even if we're talking about, you know, realistically not saying, obviously we'd like to strengthen every position group, but really focusing on what could Watford do in the market, you know, short term and longer term uh, to help this team now. And again, a little bit longer term, I-, I think every position there's room to work and, you know, center back, we've got some, we've got some players. We, at least one player we really need to move away from and, and strengthen that positional group. Um, Right back, obviously, we just signed one. Unlikely we sign another, but you know, it's not looking great at right back still. Gaspar's obviously getting on. He's not even been used there. He's not been favoured there when available. And Gaki is out injured, and he's not really made it. Left back, we've got we've discussed that issue. Midfield, you know, we've definitely got issues there, and then the forward positions too. Um, I guess maybe now the only other position group I'd say we could. But then I was going to say striker, but you could even make an argument for more depth there. So it's <laughs> it's hard really to say there's any positions apart from goalkeeper.
2: The only position that I would look to strengthen uh, in this window uh, would be some kind of left wing um, because it feels mm. that is... Currently... Not a midfielder? Well, I mean, Kone is doing the job that, that he was brought in to do. If uh, Chowdhury uh, is back, then... I don't know if we need another midfielder. Bakuna is fit again. He's not fantastic, but he's there as cover. Um, and we know that we've got midfielders coming back soon
3: It seems like a lifetime ago that be played, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it does, yeah.
3: Considering he played every game until he got injured too.
2: But on the left wing, though, I mean, all we've had this season has been Semmer, right? And Yeah, even, Semmer even and saw now. Well, yeah, Sar, Sar prefers naturally to play on the right, right? Is that, is that Oh, no, that's true, yes.
3: That would, I mean...
2: Sorry, yes, yeah, Sen- <sighs> he has been playing on the left a lot, hasn't he? Because he, he was shifted over there because that's where he plays for, for Senegal and he was doing good there. So, yeah, that's a good point. In my mind, it was still on the right side, but yeah.
3: But, you know, you're still talking about depth in wing. You know, you, you, you might, regardless if it's left or right, if you want a winger, you want a winger. You know, Bilic clearly wants a winger, so I think you're not wrong in that assessment. That's what what Slam and Bilic feels is, is needed, so... um. I don't think it's a it's a wrong answer for sure and i think that's the kind of the point his question is is there a position we don't need to recruit and like, apart from goalkeeper i'm i'm not sh- i'm not sure i'm not sure there's a i think you can make an argument for every position to be honest with you apart from <laughs> maybe right back because we just signed one but yeah yeah good question though Nick
2: cool well that's it for the questions um and that might be it for the pod it's been uh just over. 100 minutes of recording time I'll, I'll i'll edit that down but um is there anything that you wanted to say jordan that we haven't touched upon
3: um you know what no i think um i think we covered quite a lot there especially the questions um i don't want to keep you for telling i give you more editing and stuff either matt um <laughs> i think we're uh i think we're pretty good um yeah i, I think that's pretty much everything cool. I tell today. what,
2: Jordan, we haven't actually had your opinion on the game so um Quick summary for you on your opinion of how the rough room game went.
3: Yeah, quick. I mean, quick opinion of the game that I think we, uh, I think it's a real missed opportunity. I think it was a bad game. Uh, I, I think we, we, we. It's time it's we should have been looking to. It was an opportunity to to develop a little bit more. I think we showed improvement in some areas, but we just weren't controlled and we were too improvised in the final third. We looked a little bit lost. Um, i understand some of the reasoning for it i think the most positive thing was the right hand side you know starting to see that that combination grow a little um they've only had two games together and part of that was a second half of the game and, and they've been one of the more positive things to come out of it and that being martins and ferreira uh, so that was good to see but you know it, it's an opportunity to beat a team who aren't aren't great especially away from home too they've also struggled so i'm disappointed that we couldn't do more there um i think bilic I wouldn't say it was Bilic's best game as a coach either. Um, I think he made a couple of strange choices. You know, some is, is hard. To, it's always hard to say with substitutions. We don't know what other factors are kind of playing a part in that decision. But, you know, the likes of Kone coming off and Gaspar staying on and and so on. But um, for me, the, the biggest feeling coming away from it is there's a missed opportunity to to pick up three points and, uh, and kick on a little bit. So it's frustrating more than anything.
2: Yeah well, hopefully they can put that right against Middlesbrough, um, that's now being eagerly anticipated. I'm just watching this um, reveal video that Watford have done for uh, for Arash. It, it seems like, you know, if he wasn't in doubt that this is a big player that's joining us... Uh, I think
3: be. you're all in on him, aren't you? you I can tell you're an rash fan.
2: <laughs> I, I, I think he's going to be quality. I think he's going to be quality. I think we're going to look back one day and say... Uh, you know what? He played he played on own at Watford that one time. Do you remember that?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I'm I'm down for it. Look, if he helps now, then you're not going to get any argument from me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he probably comes in for for, for bio straight away. Straight in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think so. I think so.
0: Yeah,
2: I'd love to see him. I mean, Mateus? um Sa, and um, yeah, and Arau and
3: I'm just trying to listen to his his selfie video. That does he say his name or not?
2: Does he? Oh, if he does.
3: No. Um, oh, he doesn't. I think. Oh no, he said Henrique. He said Henrique. Damn Henrik. it! Okay. I wanted to hear it. How uh, uh, you say it? Damn it! That means I get a reprieve. I
2: get a reprieve. This uh, did you did
3: you Google did you Google this to see how to pronounce his name?
2: No, Tom told me. So. Um, okay. I'm blaming Tom if, if it goes wrong. <laughs> Um, but it sounds Portuguese, doesn't it? That sounds how...
3: Yeah, because is that how you pronounce the the centre-back for Barcelona too?
2: Oh, I don't know. I don't know.
3: Um, anyway, okay. Sorry. It's okay. Just got off the tangent.
2: <laughs> well, uh, if, if um, comments are believed, the audience loves the tangent, so... <laughs>
3: A-ra-ho. See, the Google pronunciation says Araho, A-ra-ho is how you pronounce it. Like the, yeah.
2: Araho or Araho?
3: How, Araho. Araho? Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that so... at okay. is, but is, but that's the Uruguayan player though. That's maybe A-ra-ho. with the...
2: Oh, okay, well. <laughs>
3: yeah. I don't know.
2: I might be wrong just this week. Okay. I'll, yeah. i apologize right.
3: full disclaimer <laughs> you're trying your best I, I i respect it
2: you know you know what it always actually as a commentator it always annoys me when um i watch uh, a football match and the commentators who are very clearly english uh decide to pronounce all of the various players with the um the, uh, the correct pronunciation but it just it feels so weird because um, it
3: is weird yeah it would
2: be like and now um, it's played back to Kepa Balaga and, and you're like yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, it, oh, I don't know it just feels weird but hey hey
3: yeah I mean I used to watch um, uh, Terry Gibson used to do a lot of the La Liga commentary and he used to get that a lot there where it was just weird having this um, <laughs> this former this former Wimbledon kind of Tottenham bloke giving the whole La Liga pronunciation thing a bit of a go he was quite good at it but it is jarring at the least isn't it it's, it's strange it is,
2: it is right okay then um, that is about it for us today uh, Tom has already drifted away so we'll say goodbye for him on his behalf um, and uh, I will say goodbye goodbye
3: see you later thank you for listening again Thank, and also thanks for having me I was a little bit late but um, yeah okay. good to speak to you as always
2: right, bye bye everyone
3: bye bye bye